This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to episode 213 of the Stacey West podcast, the penultimate episode of the season, one might say, because it's certainly the uh, the second to last one, which is what penultimate means. Don't need to explain that because Ben's not with us today, um, but it's the second to last one where we'll be doing a preview. As uh, I just clarified, Ben isn't with us today. He was due to be, but he's um, not very well. So I am joined by somebody who's becoming something of a Stacey West stalwart. He's on every week. Mr. Lamming, how are you doing? Hello, good evening, everybody. Hope we're well. I'm well. Are you well? I am well. I'm always. Um, I, I always can't help but feel enthused by your positive hello. You have a very distinctive hello, and it's very, in, yeah, it's enthusiastic. It makes me think like, yeah, we're going to talk about Lincoln, and we're going to have some fun. Yeah, um, absolutely. Apart from that time you rang me asking to use my toilet, and you didn't know it was me that answered. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Was I a couple did of weeks ago, you and Fee came to rugby for a run. Because you yeah. run, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. you needed a wee, and you rang me to see if you could use my toilet. You rang me, I answered, and you didn't realise it was me. No, on I didn't. End of the phone. Well, the thing <laughs> so is, so maybe because... it's only a distinctive hello on here. Maybe my telephone hello is different. Who knows? <laughs> maybe you just weren't. Maybe you saw my name come up, and you realised that you know, you weren't as enthusiastic as you are when you want to talk to the wider Lincoln City world. Um, and just to add some context, maybe that's the case. Just to add some context to that, by the way, two things. First of all, because my I've kept the same number and the same accounts and everything on my phone now for like ten years. Um, and in the early days of having a phone, I'd make the habit of like, oh, I've got a mate called Chris, I'll put Chris in, or I've got a mate called Dave, I'll put Dave in. And then as time goes on, you kind of thought, oh God, now I'm going to need, I've got another Dave, so I'm going to need to put Dave S in, and Dave. The first Dave is just Dave. And it gets to a point where you kind of pick one, ring it, and then think, 
I hope this is the right Chris. I hope I'm not ringing a guy that I work with in the timber department at Jackson's in 2007 or something like that. Fair, fair enough. That all makes perfect sense now. Secondly, just to clarify, it was Easter Sunday, I think, um, that I came round to your house for a week. And it's because, I was, as you say, I was going for a run. I was doing the last 10K before the 10K. Uh, and bizarrely, on the way there, I needed a wee and the public toilets were closed. And I didn't want to go in the Ivy Club, walk in, have a wee. I had all my running gear on. I'd look a numpty. My dad was away for the weekend. So I don't treat Chris's house listeners as a public toilet. So... No. But you were we very did... welcome to use the toilet, though. It wasn't. A yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. We did both have uh, both me and Fee uh, had a wee as well, so it was was very accommodating. Seeing as Chris has picked up a slightly embarrassing thing that I did, um... I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I've got it written down on <laughs> paper. Um, so obviously, we're going to talk about Wickham, and one of the problems um, with Chris and I talking about Wickham and Ben not being on the podcast is. We weren't there and we didn't see it. We've watched I've watched a little bit of it back, the highlights, but we were at a gig together in Boston at the Glidodrome. It was very, very good. We saw lots of cool bands. But there was one moment in particular, relatively early on in the day, so we can't blame drink. It was a 12-hour drinking session, but this was, I think, after the first band, wasn't it? I think it was after Blackwater County had been on. And so me, Chris, and Dave are still talking. And all of a sudden, Chris goes, I'll be back in a minute. And he wanders off and we look up and he kind of he makes a curved journey round to the front of the stage, takes a picture of the band that are playing, which might have not been Blackwater County. I'm not sure. Yeah, so whoever was on second, so we weren't as interested Paul, in. Yeah, Paul. Or whoever was, was second, second on the main main stage. The main yeah. stage. Anyway, that's that's irrelevant. So anyway, then he's come back round and stood next to us and he goes, right, I'm deleting that. It's like, you do what, Chris? He goes, I'm deleting that photo. I didn't want to take it. What happened? Chris had looked up at an inopportune moment and made eye contact with a goth looking girl in a, in a uh, kilt um, who he thought was making eye contact with him and was selling something, just to clarify. Raffle tickets is what I thought, Raffle just to ticket. clarify. Yeah. So he's gone walking towards her thinking, I've been, I've, the eye contact's made, I'm wanted. And it actually turns out that she was looking at somebody behind him. Um, and he got, <laughs> it's, it's probably funnier when you were there. He's got quite close to her, realised that it wasn't her, him at all, didn't know whether she was selling raffle tickets or not, which she actually was. And so made his way around to the front and pretended that he had gone to take a photo. That did happen. Yeah, I can't, I can't add anything. It was very embarrassing, but it makes it for a good story, doesn't it? <laughs> well, the listeners will be the judge of that. They might be there no, going, true. Yeah, they might be going, well, yeah, whatever. Um, but you, you may have had to have been there. Um, and Maybe if you so. had been there, you would have found it incredibly funny. We were there. We weren't at Wickham, um, but we were connected to Wickham. We had our mobile phone devices um, on, on Twitter and on the group chats. Um, I, I don't know how much you've watched back. I've watched quite a bit. I've literally only had the chance to watch the, just the normal highlights that were on YouTube. That's that's all I've had a chance to look yeah. back at. I've obviously watched Les Sorensen's goal about five five hundred times. Yeah, I've, I've I've been tried to be cool and edgy and been raving about the first goal um, because that's the sort of thing that I, I tend to do. That's a brilliant header. And the reason it's a brilliant header is the ball is played in almost on the diagonal it's not a glancing header where all the power's on the ball and all he's got to do is direct it. It's not the sort of header that's coming at him that he can transfer the power. I mean, it's, I think it's a difficult header to make to beat the goalkeeper, having had to go and make the run as well. And I think for a 20-year-old winger, um, I think that it was superb. I think it was a great header. Yeah, it was. He had to kind of generate most of the power himself. It was just, it was a really good header. I've been really impressed with a little bit we've seen from... Uh... 
from Duffy so far. I remember when he signed, um, I think it was me and Ben on, and I'd kind of had a, had a look and probably used up all your credits on Scout, um, and was looking at some of his highlights from when he was at UCD. And last season he scored, I think he scored three goals. One was left foot, one was right foot, and one was the header. Um, so it showed his versatility. Um, I think we've already seen so far in the little bit we've seen him, he's, he's more than happy to have a shot with either foot. And obviously he's half decent in the air as well. So yeah, he is primarily a winger. He's a left-footed winger. But he's clearly got a half decent all round game, and yeah, it was a it was a, a pleasant surprise um, to get that kind of goal notification when we was when we was yeah not there obviously. Yeah, I think we were actually outside eating sausage, and that's not a euphemism. Um, actual sausage when that first came through, uh, and then we went in. Um, we watched a bit of Millie Manders, we watched a bit of Tony Wright from Terrorvision, and then the phone started going mad um, with Lars Sorensen has scored from inside his own half. They're the goals that get the headlines, um, obviously, yeah, with, with great reason. He could hit that 99 times or 100 times and, and miss 99. But the gods aligned um, to give us a moment that you know we'll be talking about in 20 years' time. Absolutely. But it's also, I think it's testament to his recent performances. Obviously, you're not seeing like, you know, he's going to score from halfway line every game. But a player that's not on form or a player that's not confident doesn't even attempt it. And it's looking at the replay a hundred thousand times, like I have. It's like that was the only thing in his mind. He just yeah. had, he just had the pure confidence. Well, I'll keep myself line. Well, I'm, I'm going to shoot then. That's that's the obvious thing to do. And obviously, he caught it well. He was quite humble about it after the game. Um, but it's just a sign of a confident player. And I'm just chuffed a bit. So I've been absolutely chuffed a bit with his um, his development over the last few weeks. And it's just like we said weeks ago. There's no one more likable in the squad than than Lass. And to see him. Just, just clearly enjoying himself out on the pitch is, and I'm performing well. Is 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 a, is a pleasure. But yeah, that that is absolutely that one of those goals that we'll talk about for for decades, really. Um, you know, I remember when Mark Bailey scored away at Carlisle from 60, 70 odd yards out, and yeah. I can't. That's I can't remember many goals from that season, but I remember that one, and it, it'll be the same sort of thing um, with this. Yeah, absolutely. Just interestingly enough, I did think of another player who I wanted to succeed as much as Lass um, in the last couple of years, and that was Remy Howarth, Remy Longdon. I'd really have liked him. And funnily enough, today I, I was sent a message by um, somebody who, who we, I follow on Twitter, and, and they found the Remy's recent story, and um, he's got heart problems, and he could have dropped dead at any moment whilst he was playing. Uh, and his pro- that problem has also um, he's on he's on Instagram, but that problem has also led to him feeling lethargic, chest pains, etc. In training, and a lot of people were telling him it was psychological, which I think is one of the reasons why he left York. And so he's basically gone from two years ago playing League One football to um, now being out completely out of work. So just oh, Joe, I did just shame. sorry. Yeah, it just came to me. But he did a little video, a little Instagram story, and it was still the same old Remy, full of smiles, kind of, you know, not shrugging it off as such. But, yeah. Um, look, Whenever you assign someone from kind of obscurity like that, it, there's always there's always kind of that, that well-wishing. Like, you, you had the, the the pleasure of kind of, you know, working with him a little bit and chatting to him a few times. And, you know, everything you said was, was kind of really positive. So that's real sad yeah. news. Um, but, yeah, I agree. He was one that you kind of always, always... Um, wished well and he was one that you always just knew he just he just appreciated every moment he he knew that he was kind of lucky and fortunate to be a professional footballer he'd kind of gone out of the pro game and come back in it and you could see he's like in his performances he just he enjoyed every second didn't he and I think that's just from a fan's perspective he's like he's he's how we would be if we were able to play yeah um, and I, I kind of loved that from him it was never I don't that, think he's ever going to be a top league one player um 
but he was certainly a, a useful squad player for us. Yeah, and he got his goal. He got a goal yeah. against um, Burton he, Albion. Dad, he's got a Peebra. Scored against from. But I thought he scored against Burton Albion. He might have scored no, against Peebra as well. I, I think your I trust your judgment more than mine to be honest on that. Yeah. But he may have scored in the the EFL Trophy, but he definitely scored in the five one Boxing Day win. Uh, against Burton Albion. He started then, I think, against Peterborough. Oh, that might be what I'm thinking um, of then, yeah. So, because I did, we, because weren't we losing in that game against Peterborough? And then we equalised from the penalty spot, George Grant. They had a lad mm-hmm. sent off for the foul. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, uh, we've gone off track a little bit. We were started talking there about Burton. There isn't a great amount more we can really say, I don't think, about Wickham. It would be grossly unfair for us to try and go into it at any more depth, apart yeah, from absolutely. the fact it was a good win. It set us up for a top half finish, which, you know, if somebody had said at the beginning of the season, you can have a top half finish, you can have it. Then we went into Burton Albion on Tuesday night thinking, well, we can consolidate for the top 10. And it's amazing how many people I met on Tuesday night who think that the word consolidate means secure. Because Rob Makepeace, I think, said we can consolidate our top 10 position. And quite a few people said to me, we can get 10th, can't we, tonight if we win? And it's like, that's not what consolidate means. Um and I'm not cutting that out. Uh, no. All right, all right, <laughs> Mr. Professional Writer. Well, it's not professional writing, is it? I mean, consolidate is, you know, you did. Well, did you say that to me? It wasn't you. Of was course it? not. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what consolidate means. I like that. You're going, all right, Mr. Writer. And then when I say, was it you? It's like, no, of course not. I'm not that. It's not me that did it. <laughs> Just calm down with your arrogance, your ginger prick. Yeah, all right, Chris. All right. <laughs> yeah, I want to put my arrogance instead. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Two grammar school boys. Uh, oh, yeah. Else. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we went into the Burton game. It was, to me, it was strange because I haven't felt an end of season vibe at all until the Burton game. And that's the, it's the first one where I thought there are elements of this that feel end of season from the atmosphere, from just being around the ground beforehand and that sort of thing. Um, looking at the balance of the game, we'll start in the first half. I thought we were the better side by some distance in the first half. Um, we had three good opportunities before 11 minutes to score. The Ben House one that I actually thought it was a bit of a nonchalant, tired fin- like strike at goal from him after about seven minutes. Duffy, who we can talk about, slashed one wide. And I think Midday couldn't get it out of his boots um, quick enough and, and had an effort. And I'm thinking at that point, three chances, 11 minutes in, we're going to go on and, and yeah. play well. And Burton were really disappointed, weren't they? Yeah, at that stage. Yeah, at that stage, yeah. Um, I... Certainly in the early stages of the first half, I think sort of midway through first half, things kind of settled down a little bit. And um, Joe, who I sit with, who's normally pretty positive, it was about half an hour gone and he just turned around and says, I'm bored now. <laughs> and that's not that's not like him at all. Um, so I think that's partly because the end, the end of the season maybe kind of feel. It was, I agree with you, it's probably the first time I've really felt it. Um, I didn't mind it. It's quite nice not to have the pressure on a game. Um, it, was, it was kind of like an end of season, don't really care what the result is, or we're going to win 3 0, which kind of when I was talking to people before the game. Um, yeah, we started really well. I thought we started really brightly. Um, those little kind of passages of play, those kind of 5, 10, 15 yard passes, often more than the left and the right, I think. Um, we, we seem to be really developing those kind of little patterns. And yeah, we got in two or three times early doors, and I think we kept knocking on the door. Um, I think the longer the half went on, it, it, it became a bit more, a little bit more stop-start, even though I thought the ref had a really good game. I think just Burton's game plan was to break us, to, to, to kind of break up the play as much as possible. Um, but I went in at half-time fully expecting us to go on in the second half 
and and get the get the goal. And I thought whoever scored first won. To be honest, um, at any point, but I, I was pretty much one hundred percent sure it was going to be us. To be honest, and yeah, I don't think second half was too bad. It just we just couldn't get in a rhythm. I don't think, and I think Burton improved defensively, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Um, and just to, to cap off the first half, we touched on Dylan Duffy at Wickham. Um, I, I, obviously, you mentioned there about how um, how you'd seen nice touches. Yeah, I thought he was unlucky to be brought off. Actually, the stats don't entirely back that up because we, we're going to talk about crosses, and um, he didn't put, I don't think, a single cross into the box. So, from the for the position that he was playing, you would hope to see a ball coming into the box. So, yeah, I kind of get why. Um, Mark said that he, he'd taken him off. But there was one or two little touches, one or two little flashes, one moment where he, he's got out of a tight situation with two players around him that just suggests to me, and I said it on a, a podcast this morning or a, a live feed this morning that I'm going to release over the weekend. It just It's frightening, I think, how good he could be for us. And you've, you've touched on it. Two-footed, he's quick, he wants to shoot, he's, he's a winger that can head the ball, he's 20 years old, he's settled really quickly. And it wouldn't surprise me if next season our front line isn't Dylan Duffy, Danny Mandrew um, and Ben House. And if we were to go into next season, take away all the lone players that we've got in the squad now, so put all of them to one side, put the squad that, that we own into next season, I still think that squad stays up with no additions whatsoever. Um if you stay injury free, and I think that Duffy's first half performance just gave us food for thought. Yeah, I'll, I um, I agree with you. I didn't think he deserved to come off. I assumed it was an injury. I assumed he picked up a knock at half time. Um, I know Candy kind of um, basically said that it was it was just like a tactical decision, and it was a uh, you know wanting to get Danny Mandreau on the pitch. Who I thought certainly in that early part of the second half looked really bright. Actually, I think he literally in the first minute he got on the ball two or three times and and looked. Like a really, he's just a, he's just a really intelligent footballer, isn't he? And he's got really yeah. quick feet. Um, I really like him, and, and he's he's really grown over the last kind of few few weeks. And I agree with you. I I, I think, you know, we've said we've said all along for the last few weeks really that all the big picture stuff is positive. You know, all the stuff that's kind of you know this time next season the grow will be, um, but it's kind of getting reasonably close to next season now, and we start to have one eye on the transfer market. You start to have an eye on who might, you know, who might be offered new deals, who might not be, who might we bring in. And actually we've got the foundations of a really competent league one squad that we own that are all contracted for next season. We don't need to add too much to that um, to kind of consolidate our position. Um, and yeah, that then means that we can maybe sprinkle a little bit of, you know, a couple of flair players, a couple of really exciting, you know, attacking wingers or some wing backs or something like that. Certainly, one of them maybe on the left, depending on what happens with boys. We're just not far away. We're just so not far away. I'm not saying we're not far away from playoffs, but we're not far away from not even having to look over our shoulders at any point. And that's just really positive at this stage of the season to not be worrying too much about having to overhaul everything in the summer. Like last season was completely, almost like a complete rebuild, wasn't it? And this summer won't be. Let's. I'm going to park that for a minute. I'm going to come back to that. I made a note about the the players that we own because I want to mm-hmm. come back to that in a second. But Danny Mandry, I'm definitely going to pick up on because um, he's actually joint man of the match with Max Sanders, and Max Sanders has become something of a darling of the Stacey West readers. I think because he, whenever I look at the match ratings, Max is always 
0.7 higher than I think he played. Uh, And some players like Midi Shadipo are always 0.6, 0.7 lower than I think they played. For me, Danny Mandroyu was man of the match on uh, sat on Tuesday night. And it's, it's really odd to say that because he only came on in the second half and we weren't good in the second half and we lost the second half. Um, but I just thought when he came on, he plays with panache. He's He's got the certain players. When you look at a player, you go, he's a footballer. You look at Ethan Arahan when he's got the ball, the way he looks after the ball, the way he caresses the ball. Ethan Arahan looks after the football better than I look after my dog. Do you know what I mean? I can see him at the end of the day, taking it home, putting it in a dustproof cover, you know, putting it on a pillow. That's how he cares about a football. And one or two of our other players perhaps don't. That's not saying they're bad footballers, but there's a difference between a football player and what I would term a footballer. Arahan is a footballer. Danny Mandriou is a stage above that. And there was, I keep going on about this one moment in the, in the, in the half that I spotted. Yeah, it's almost like I've got one. I, I know exactly what you're going to talk about. Is it when he, the ball's coming into him, he, <laughs> and his body shape was in one particular position if he was going to go, uh, yeah. go back, wasn't it? And yeah. then it was just one touch, took two players out of the game. Yeah. It's just it's just having that intelligence. And that's just yeah. knowing your surroundings. That's knowing what you're going to do with the ball before you've before it's even arrived at you. That's, yeah. that, and that's what the best players in the world, not he's, he's obviously up there, but that's no. the particular skill set that the best players in the world have. Yeah. And um, yeah, at this level, you don't see that sort of thing too often. Of course, he's, he's maybe not the best defensively. He's, he's got weaknesses in his game. But, you know, in the role that he plays in, in like, kind of like two players behind a striker with two players protecting him behind, and he's got the license to come narrow because he has an overlapping wing back. It just has that kind of freedom of that kind of 10 position. It just suits him. It just really suits him. It does. Is that, is, that, is that the moment you was going to explain? That's the moment I was going to explain, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, well, the thing is, I've written about it, and on a, on my live feed earlier, which, again, for the podcast I want to release while we're away at the weekend, I even mention it again. And he literally, he, he points, so he's coming to him, and he points at the player where it's going, leans towards it. One of the yellow shirts goes towards it. As it comes, he just lays the pass off. Now, actually, he overhits the pass, and the player, but he doesn't get it. But this is a guy that's just had a couple of games out injured, bear in mind as well. I just think with the summer under his belt, um, strengthening, more awareness of the English game, I just think he'll get better and better. His goals return is actually really good. Um, he put in, I mean, it's crosses per 90 on Y Scout, but I, I would make that six crosses, which was more than two or three times almost anybody else. Max Sanders was was kind of up there with, with three, and I think Midday did uh, two. So, yeah, Mandrew just came on. And did what you want him to do. You know, we we needed to start getting out wide. We do put some really nice balls into the box. One or two of those balls into the box, we should have scored from. I can't remember if it was him that put the ball across for Plange. Um, There's a couple that been... kind of flashed across the six-yard box, wasn't there? And I, I, I just really liked him. But I want to pick up on a moment. And again, I put it on Twitter. And it's more for debate than anything. The stamp on Ben House. Is it as bad as it looks? I didn't see it at the time. And then obviously you shared it in our group and uh, I'm undecided. The thing is though, like if the ref sees it, he sends him off, whether it's as yeah. bad as it looks or not. If the ref sees it, it's a red card because it's a stamp. Um, yeah. So I don't think the severity really matters. He has stamped on him. It's not just a, he hasn't just like accidentally trodden his foot, has he? He's, he's, he's made an action to actually stamp on him. Whether he's actually made yeah. much contact or not is kind of irrelevant. He um, did. I mean, I, the thing is, I, I I actually watched, I don't know why I've started watching when the ball goes 
what happens afterwards with certain players. And Ben House is one. Paudie O'Connor's another that I'm, I'm kind of just watching what happens. And and the lad, basically, they had a tangle. Look, Ben's dived. It, 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 it looks like a push. It's not a push. Ben's gone down. The player's gone down with him. But as he's got up, he's stuck a boot straight on back of him. Not criticism of the referee, by the way, who I thought was very, very good on Tuesday night. He let a few things go, potentially, but I didn't think it was a nasty game. And if anything, the worst decision he made was not giving them a free kick when Adam Jackson... Adam Jackson rugby tackled somebody, yeah. Uh, and there was one, I think there was one, um, we were on the break and he pulled yeah. it back. It should, it should have been, um, should have been an, it was quite a clear advantage. And we were, I think yeah. Manjoy was probably through, wasn't he? Um, which was, at the time, it was really frustrating. Um, yeah. But on the whole, yeah, I think he had a, he had a competent game. Um one or two where he thought that would normally be a yellow card, but he chose not to book them. But sometimes when that happens, that means that players feel like you can get away with more and that it creates more of a dirty game, but it, it didn't at all. No. Um, so Which does, yeah. which maybe suggests he's talking to the players, mm-hmm. making his, you know, he, he seems like a good referee. Um, word then back onto Burton. Obviously they came out, I think, with a slightly different game plan. I didn't think they went as long at times in the second half. They, they got uh, Johnny Smith and, and Mark Helm on the ball. Two players who I really like. I, I like that Johnny Smith on Boxing Day. I've seen a, quite a bit of him now. I think he's a bit of a journeyman. He's 25. I think he's been at Cheltenham and places like that. But he was a constant threat. Uh, and the boy, Helm, he was at um, Man United and then went to Burnley. They're two really, they're good footballers, those two. And they caused us problems. They did, yeah. They had a lot more of the ball in the second half, in, in the more, much more territory. I think that came from a defensive solidity, though. I thought they they really didn't give us a sniff in the in the second yeah, half. We probably didn't we didn't get the ball down to play as often. We we um when you go along against teams like Burton who have got three big centre halves that are going to mop it up all day long, it kind of plays into their hands a little bit. Um, so we kind of have gone from the perspective of mixing it up, playing when we can, but but turning and running when we need to, to actually being forced to go longer more regularly. Um, and then they were really solid at the back. Um, to be honest, I was quite impressed with their defensive organisation, to be honest. Um, and that just gave them the foundation then. But we kind of praised our team about for, for, for weeks about that defensive foundation. I thought in the second half, Burton had a real defensive foundation, which then allowed those kind of better footballers, if you like, to get on the ball. And obviously, we say on the back, I can have a game, not that and disappointed because, you know, it didn't really matter too much. It's a shame to lose the, um, you know, the, another home defeat. But uh, I thought the performance was OK, certainly in the first half. Um, but I was thinking, oh, that, it stings a bit because I didn't feel like Burton deserved to win. I didn't think we deserved to lose. I certainly thought our first half performance deserved a goal. But then I keep kind of forgetting that I think it was Smith who hit the bar. Yeah. That was a great strike. You know, if that goes in, you go, well, fair play. You know, like you can't yeah. do a lot about that. Um, so, yeah, as much as the goal was kind of bumbled in, it's not really anyone's fault, actually, on the on, on the corner, on, on the first contact anyway. Um and it's kind of like pinball whiz and it just trickles into the net. You kind of think, no, nah, bugger, that's just kind of, that's just primarily luck. There's obviously an element of mistake in there from someone, but it's primarily luck and it's just unlucky. Um, but yeah, I kind of forget that yeah, they hit the bar and they did have a few chances in the second half, as did we, but nothing too clear cut. Um, but I certainly think nil-nil would have probably been fair. Two things that I want to discuss before we move on from Burton, unless there's anything more from you. The first thing is... Shadipo plunge. I'm going to call it a single discussion because the goal actually, I think, is Luke Plunge at fault. Because I think when you look it back, he should have 
their goalkeeper, who I think it's pronounced Ahadmi, um, something along those lines, Gassan Ahadmi, who was at Norwich and uh, mm-hmm. Portsmouth. I think Plange has, has left his marker rather than he's, he's, he's on his way rather than tackling. And I think Mark Kennedy alluded to that in his post-match interview. Now, look, I'm going to double-edge this question because Plange hasn't got a good rating. Neither has Midi Shadipo. And I was did, again, the, the live chat this morning and people were on it saying, I wouldn't take Shadipo next season. I think he's flattering to deceive. And I'm baffled by that because I think as an attacking force, Midi Shadipo is showing signs of having everything that we want. He struggled to settle um, at first with injuries. He scored a couple of goals. He has two or three shots every game. He's putting crosses in every single game. I don't understand how Shadipo and Plange can be mentioned in the same breath. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, it, baff, it baffles me as well that they're um, often seen in the same breath. Um, for those that listened to the podcast last week, will know that I spent a good 10 minutes or so kind of criticising Luke Plange. Uh, I felt a bit bad about it because it felt like his to be honest, his, his biggest his biggest fault is he's not Ben House. Um, and I kind of made the point, I wanted to prove my point because it was probably the first time we'd ever disagreed on on a player this time last week. And, uh, and I thought, I need to prove I'm right. Um, or at least at least I have an example of my of why my opinion is what it was. And um, yeah. I did kind of pick some move and explained it. And uh, But of course, when you're looking for something, it's confirmation bias, isn't it? If you kind of ignore those things he does well... Um, and then when he does something badly and you can kind of pick it apart, you can go, see, there, that proves my point. Just like um, if Lincoln are on brilliant form, the candidate out people don't have anything to moan about. But if we're on poor form, then those people have something to shout about. We all do yeah. it. We're all guilty of it. It's human nature. Um, so, yeah, so I, I have to admit, I, I, I don't think Luke Plunge has had a very good loan spell at all. Um, no, I, I agree. Um, and I ha- d- d- differently to you, I haven't really seen many flashes of what he's offered. And Mide Shadipo is the opposite of that. I think he's shown a lot of promise. I think he's done some really good things. And even when things haven't quite come off, as maybe happened on Tuesday and certainly happened last Tuesday against Barnsley, um, he's he's like just half an inch away or just just a slightly better touch away from, from being away. And, you know, those things leave the mind because it, it didn't it didn't quite happen and then you know the game continues whereas if the ball is yeah half a yard either side um or the pass is made just a split second earlier um, or the pass into him is just that little bit um higher quality because he's made a good run then he's in and then we remember it because he's had a good run he's got a cross and he's got a shot away um i would i would really like to have Mido Shadipo back um next season I think again with a, with a full pre-season and a bit of confidence he seems like a confidence player um, yeah I, I see completely different I think there's the ceiling is, is more than what we've seen from Shadipo but we've seen in flashes what he's capable of and I really I can't work out whether Luke Prown is going to be one of those players who um, struggles here goes back into Palace goes on another loan next season does well and then ends up playing kind of week in week out at sort of a championship level or if he's going to be the sort of player that we just see playing for teams like Bromley or Borehamwood, Bishop Stortford in three years' time. Yeah, that's that sort of player that's yeah, just just doesn't just doesn't quite have it. Maybe has all that kind of. He's clearly whenever he has the ball at his feet, when he actually has the ball into control, he looks like a footballer. He looks like he's got good touch. He's got soft feet. I always remember Michael Appleton talking about having soft feet is a good sign of a good player, but he never he didn't give himself the opportunity to get the ball to his feet. He always seems half a yard away. Um, of him behind, half a yard away of coming, coming, showing feet, and then yeah, it's like he's just he's, he just loses concentration. And 
from a defensive perspective, he yeah, he did on he did on Tuesday, sadly. And I agree. It was I think it's harsh to kind of say it's completely his fault because oh, absolutely. Yeah, the ball comes in. You win the first contact and head it away. Ball was clear. Doesn't matter these yeah, letters, yeah. man. Um, and it's unlucky because it wasn't. It wasn't like a, they won the header. It wasn't like we did. It was kind of a, just a. It just kind of dropped, didn't it? And it's yeah. a bit of a pinball wizard. And it just so happened that yeah, he buggered off, and the player that he was marking is the one that bundled it in. But he was partly at fault. Um, I hate to say it because I love Ethan Irahan. His he misjudged his header, which led to the corner. Yeah. Um, so he had a great game again. And a couple of misplaced passes in the first 10 minutes, but after that, he was just outstanding as he always is. Um, you know, we'll always rack lyrical about him. We both think of what a fantastic player he is. <laughs> but sadly, you know, he is human. He did mis- make a small misjudgment, which led to the corner. Um, so if you're going to be pointing fingers, I think you've probably got to, you've probably got to be fair to Plange in that regard and say, yeah, once it became a corner, then then he had a, had a role to play. But, you know, the corner happened for another reason. So you froze for a minute on my screen. Um, so mm. one other thing from, because we're 32 minutes in, and we're still talking about Burton. Um, let me ask you a question. Last Sorensen's XG, I know you haven't looked at it. Put a figure roughly and, and on what you think last Sorensen's XG might have been. On Tuesday? Yeah. I'm just trying to think. So you had that one that you got on the end of in the second half that, I think it might have just been off the pitch already, so I'm going to think that was a zero. That was honestly, or was it? Ah, depends where I, I, I'm going to say zero. Hooked, well, you're you're actually right. It's <laughs> zero. There's the one that he hooked around McGillivray, which went out for a goal kick. There's the one at the far post that he didn't quite get onto, and it's a zero. And Plange's XG was a zero. Uh, and we didn't get any XG for the Plange or the Sorensen efforts. So they weren't classed as opportunities at goal. And it's made me slightly question XG. Well, uh, I had a chat with your mate Pete about XG recently. Oh, don't talk to Pete about anything. Oh, I I felt quite <laughs> smug. I felt oh really? Because that, that's unusual. Because he normally convinces me whatever he's thinking's right, and mm. I come away feeling the yeah. opposite. I, I can't remember what it was about. Oh. I remember. Um, so uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was to do with when Paddy O'Connor hit the bar against Barnsley. Shot on target. He said, "Yeah, he was uh, yeah I, I'm, he, yes, he that was it. Yes. it came up. He never yeah. told me how the conversation yeah, went." Yeah, because I mentioned to Ben on the podcast last week that it's a shame that when it hits the bar, it doesn't count as a shot on target. And he kind of picked me up as if that was a stupid thing to say. And I said it was purely stab patting because it has literally hit the target. It's so close to going in. It should hit your capture shot on target, in my opinion. Um, and he says, well, I suppose it has better XG than if it hit the corner flag. And I was like, no, it doesn't actually. It has exactly the same XG because it's from the location that the shot is taken from, not where it ends up. And I felt very smug because he tried to pick me up on something. And probably rightly so. And uh, yeah. I corrected so, him, and it's not often um, Pete gets corrected on much. So I've been led to believe from you. I, I am going to tell you now that if Pete <laughs> listens to this on Friday before the Stag Weekend, you have just signed your own death warrant. Um, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I started, I started saying this. And I thought, shit, I'm on a bloody Stag do with you all on the weekend. I'm going to get battered for this. 
actually, you'll be all right because Jason Anstis and a mate of mine from from rugby's going along, and Pete is a Man United fan. Jason is a, a Liverpool fan, and literally, I think they, I don't even think they've got each other on Facebook, and they're going to share a room on the Saturday night. <laughs> so Pete will be far too preoccupied um, with sorting that out, I think, before anything. So, um, yeah, I was disappointed. The point the point you made about XG though is valid because it's a useful tool. Yeah, it doesn't tell the whole story. Yeah. It doesn't tell the whole story. A, and Pete, uh, that's one thing I've discussed with Pete at length. Um, and he says it's not a stat. And he's right. It's not a stat. It's uh, it's an indication. It's a guide. But RXG um, was 0.56 on um, Tuesday night. And theirs was 0.96. Technically, it should have been 0-0. 0-0 would have been a fair result mm-hmm. as well. And again, actually, it doesn't those, those balls that get zipped across the box that's an inch away from being tapped in. It's a great move to get across there. You know, if someone gets a, even the slightest of touches on that and it ends up still going wide, XG is like 0.75 for that chance. Yeah. But if no one gets a touch on it and it just goes across for a, for a throw-in or out for a goal kick, it's a zero. So yeah. it's the same chance. It's, it's the same close miss, but the XG is completely different. So it doesn't tell the whole story. We will still talk about it every week. I like stats. Um, I like, it's not a stat, is it? Or I like um, <laughs> guides. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Never buy a BMW. Um, right, anyway, I thought that was clever. Um, so we will, indicators, BMW. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably not as Jesus. clever as I thought, to be fair. No, maybe I'm just, I was just slow. Either you're slow or it's a bad joke. It's one of the two. So, you know, it's either Ethan Arahan partly at fault for the goal or uh, Luke Plans, one of us is at fault uh, for the joke. It's likely to be me. This weekend, we are at a stag weekend. I've mentioned it plenty Your of times. Your stag weekend? Let's not, my, let's, let's, yeah, my, yeah, let's not yeah. leave that to, 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 to chance. It is your stag weekend. My stag weekend. Um, and we are going to Morecambe. Now, ahead of this game, I spoke to Dave from Beyond Radio um, for his podcast. Uh, and then this week, uh, Charlie has spoke to Dave at Beyond Radio for our podcast. Um, and so this is what Dave, who you may have uh, gathered is from Beyond Radio, uh, thinks about the upcoming fixture. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the preview show for Morecambe Away, our last away game. We have been counting down for this moment. It's going to be a it's going to be a good game, I'm hoping. Anyway, um, I am joined by Morecambe's actual I follow and beyond radio commentator. Um, and also a podcast host, Dave. 
Charlie, thanks for having me on, mate. Ah, thank you for joining us. So, it's like I've said that we're counting it down. You're probably, well, wanting the season to be over as long as you're safe. You know, it's you kind of maybe want to have a few more games or what, I'm not sure. You're looking very tight at the bottom of that table. What's, it's certainly going to be, uh, yeah. It? Yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting last couple of weeks of the season, that's for sure. Um, I think a few weeks ago, if you'd have asked me, uh, are Morecambe going to stay up? Uh, I think the answer, even the most pessimistic or the most optimistic Morecambe fan would have said, well, not much chance, really. We've got some tough games coming up. Couldn't see where the next point was coming from. Couldn't see really where the next goal was coming from. But it's all turned around in in, in the last few games. And uh, two wins in a draw. And they've all been against fancy teams as well. Wickham and Portsmouth. And then a fantastic 3-2 win against Charlton uh, last Saturday. And that's put us right back in the mix, really. I think uh, if you're a neutral, uh, it's uh, it's quite an exciting thing to look at because uh, there could be, after our game on Saturday, there could be four or even five teams on the same number of points going into the final weekend of the yeah. season on the 7th of May. So it's uh, it's all tightened up. We're two points from safety going into our game on Saturday. So theoretically, if we win and MK Don's lose to Barnsley, we would be out of the League One relegation zone and it would be in our hands going into the last game of the season. Conversely, if you beat us and MK Dons beat Barnsley himself, uh, that's us relegated. So uh, there's so much hanging on the game, so much. This, this is the thing. It's it's really interesting um, to look at as a neutral, looking down at the bottom, kind of with with relief that we're not a part of it because I can imagine what it's like you know, b- being part of that and having to look at all of these permutations and you- you'll still be looking at those per- permutations at half time and f- as all the as it stands tables up until the 95th minute or whatever, because that's that's just what us football fans do, isn't it? So it's, it would be a very nerve wracking time. Um, I know, you know, for example, MK Dons, they, they obviously had that decent enough run that they were on and now can't seem to can't seem to string anything together, can't seem to get a goal, can't seem to keep a clean sheet. So you've got a very good chance of, do, of doing it. I just, obviously from a bit of a selfish point of view, I kind of hope you take it to the last game of the season and manage to do it rather than doing it on Saturday though. Um, so kind of looking a little bit more at your squad, um, you know, you, you've got you've got some cracking players in the squad really. Um, obviously Jensen Weir, who's your top goal scorer, isn't he? Um, as a midfielder, yeah. very impressive. What what kind of role has he been taking on? Has he been playing as a sort of number 10 kind of attacking midfielder or more of a sort of six or an eight or how's his role been? He's been a bit uh, a bit all over the shop, to be honest with you. Right. Um, we had Cole Stockton last season, of course, 26 goals in all competitions. He's, he's yeah. not quite hit the heights uh, this time around for, for various different reasons. The main one or the main two being uh, he requested a transfer in the summer. Uh, that dragged on and on, and that affected things in the first half of the campaign. But uh, the main reason being, we've not just we haven't just created as many chances as we did last season. We created loads last year, and of course, he put a fair few of them in the back of the net. That said, uh, he is just about to start. Uh, he's starting to hit uh, sensational Stockton again. Pete Cole Stockton, like we saw last season, <laughs> if you saw his uh, first goal against uh, Charlton on Saturday, uh, back to his uh, tricks of old from last yeah. uh, last season and, and blazed it right into the top corner. That's meant that Jensen Weir uh, is our top scorer. He's an out-and-out midfielder, Charlie, t- to be honest. He's, uh, he can play deep. I think he's more effective a little bit further forward. Not quite as a number 10, but, but certainly as an attacking midfielder. Loves to get forward, loves to break 
breakaway. And uh, yeah, he, pre- he really probably should have more than the 11 goals that he's got, actually. So uh, uh, without uh, Jensen's uh, goals, and, and, and a few of them have been uh, what I would call points-winning goals as well, then uh, uh, we might be uh, in a bit of a worse situation without Cole's goals this season. But he's now coming good team. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it's, it's the right time for it for you, isn't it? Um, some Whilst we're looking at your player, somebody else who, you know, we kind of do have to give a little bit of a mention to is Max Melbourne. Um, he is, I, I see he's only sort of played, what, 14 matches, only eight starts. Um, obviously, I'm not sure whether that's been an injury-plagued season or what. What's What's his impact on the squad been or has he really had much of an impact on the squad? He's not had anywhere near the impact uh, as what I think we were hoping for. There's no doubt that uh, he was bought in as as, a, as our first choice left back in the summer, signed on a two-year contract, no problem with that at all. And he started pretty well, pretty nice and tidy in the first few games, no problem with that at all. And then he got a very serious, uh, I think it was a thigh injury he picked up, and that kept him out for a very, very long time. Of course, things happen, teams move on, uh, systems and all, and all that kind of stuff. And since then... Uh, he's uh, he, he struggled to, to get in the team, really. He's worked his way back to fitness, then got injured again, worked his way back to fitness a second time, and then he got injured again for a third time. So uh, it's been stop-start. He's, he's obviously a good player. You'll know yeah. him very well, Charlie, of course. He's, he's a good player. Uh, I know he can play in the middle as well, but uh, we've been playing him either left-back or, or left-wing-back. Not sure he will start on Saturday. He might because um, the, the guy who's been playing at left-back usually, uh, a, a player that you might know, from the Premier League days of Crystal Palace called Papa Soiree. Um, right. he's, he's been very, very good, but uh, he hadn't played professionally for about a year before we signed him uh, outside of the transfer window. And uh, he went off in the second half against Charlton last weekend. I, th- I think, to be honest, he was just a bit knackered, really, because he's played a lot of football very quickly. And, uh, of course, it catches up with, doesn't it? So there's a yeah. chance Max might start on Saturday, but uh, he'll certainly be in the squad at least. Well, that's that's always good to see. Good to sort of be able to see past players and such. Um, so, so you kind of mentioned a couple of different players and their um, sort of what their roles have been. So, what kind of overall shape, what's your sort of tactical formation are we likely to see from you on Saturday? Well, our manager Derek Adams, uh, by and large, has uh, has flip flopped around a little bit between a back three and a back four. I think he has settled on a back four now, uh, and I think certainly the last two games of. of We've been wins against uh, Wickham and against Charlton. We have played that back four. So I think we'll probably stick with that before 2-3-1. And uh, hopefully we can go from there. So Cole Stockton is a central striker. And then we've usually, yeah. I suppose we'll call it an attacking support trio just behind him. Uh, two central midfielders and then the flat back four. All right. Very, very interesting. Then hopefully that's something that we can sort of capitalise on. But um, a little bit of info for, for yourself. We have, well, we tend to very much struggle against a back four. Um, and, you know, our managers come out and said that we just we just struggle to press against them. Um, so, you know, ho- hopefully that doesn't end up being the case on Saturday. But there's the chance that um, sort of you, you might end up being able to capitalise on our weakness in that sense. Um I feel like we do have to just slightly mention um, stuff off the field with with Morecambe. Um, obviously, <laughs> yeah. there's it's been. I like to try and keep myself up to date with a lot of sort of the football finance stories, um, and it's been a bit of a roller coaster. It seems from the outside looking in. What what's what is the sort of situation? Is there much of a situation that you can talk about at the minute? 
so in a nutshell, Charlie, I'll, I'll try and explain this as briefly as possible. Um, our owner is, uh, is a company called Bond Group Investments, and uh, uh, they own uh, Worcester Warriors Rugby Club. Now, a quick Google of Worcester Warriors, and you'll see uh, the, yes. uh, the, the the fun and games that's, uh, that, that, that's unfortunately uh, beset them in the last uh, year or so. So, of course, same owner. You think, well, oh, gosh, that's going to be happening to us, isn't it? But what's happened in the last six months or so, it's been uh, well, well, nothing short of a circus to be to, to be perfectly honest with you. The club is up for sale, and uh, the Bond Group Investments, um, primarily a, a guy called Jason Whittingham, uh, he obviously wants to sell to the highest bidder, maximise his investment. Uh, the highest bidder appears to be uh, a gentleman called Saab Johal who uh, runs a company called Saab Capital, or at least he's the front man uh, for a company called Saab Capital. Now, this has been going on since about the end of October. Uh, so it's dragged on and on and on. The reality is uh, he's not yet satisfied the EFL that uh, he can complete the deal, the, the, the fit and proper person's test, the director's test, call it what you will. Either way, the EFL are unconvinced that uh, he's got the money. And obviously, it's dragged on for a very long time. And you would think that if he had the money by now, he would be able to prove uh, yeah. that he's got the funds. Uh, to me, that seems very simple. You want to take a football club over, and I know the, um, the, the the test is a bit more stringent than what it was a couple of years ago. I think you've got to prove that for you've the got right the reasons. Hundred percent, Charlie. You've, you've got this, I think now you've got to prove that you've not just got the money for the purchase, that you've actually yes. also got funds. I think it's for two years going forward that you can sustain the club, and he hasn't shown the right bank statements, hasn't shown the briefcase with cash. I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah. But anyway, the EFL haven't ratified the deal. That's gone on and on and on for six or seven months now, and it can't. You can't help but have a knock-on effect, can you? It, it, it trickles down uh, for, throughout the whole of the club. It, uh, it manifested itself last month, uh, where the, the the wages were late. Uh, they were paid uh, four days late. Now, uh, the, the the responsibility for the wages is solely on the owner, uh, Bond Group Investments, Jason Whittingham. Eventually, they got. I think they were due to be paid on the Tuesday. They got the money on the Friday afternoon. Uh, we are due payday in a couple of days' time for the, this coming month. So how that may or may not, I've not heard anything either way, to be honest, but uh, how that may or, or may not affect things going forward for the last couple of games of the season is anybody's guess. But it's not only the, the, the morale and the mood in, in the camp. It, it's also how much you've got to spend on your team and your squad. And yeah, our manager, Derek Adams, has been very vocal on that in the last week or so about the uh, the salary cap and, and and the protocol and sticking within financial fair play rules. I think it's uh, 60% of your turnover you're allowed to spend on player wages. But owners putting money into the club counts as turnover. So if you've got a rich owner who puts cash in, you're laughing all the way. If you've got a well-run club, but you've, you've not got the fan base, more can got what 4,000 home fans something like that we just can't compete so uh, that combined with an owner not putting any money in uh, means we've not been able to attract the a caliber of player that we would have liked we've got a very honest bunch of, of players in the squad don't get me wrong and we've got some quality in the team there's no question about that but we can't compete and and, and that's all of that put together is why we are where we are so uh, it, it it rumbles on it rumbles on um, and hopefully it'll be yeah. resolved very soon well, you know, it's like you say, I, with this sort of being a 10 to 15 minute preview, we I normally like to try and keep it with all the on-field s- stuff. But there is, 
the off the field situations have to come up because there is no doubt that they affect what's happening on the field. That you know, football clubs that it's not a business and a football team. They are all one, and I think sometimes that can get lost um, when things like this this are happening. It's it can very easily get forgotten. Um, but bringing it bringing it back onto the pitch, um, you know how I know it's going to be very much squeaky bum time for a whole ninety minutes on Saturday, but. Looking at a score prediction to try and wrap it up, what uh, what are you sort of thinking? I actually think we've got a very good chance of staying up, Charlie. To be to be perfectly honest, it, it's a lot will rely on how good and how cutting we are in in, in the final third. I've already yeah. mentioned Cole Stockton. He's, he's not had a great season. He's got eight goals to his name now and he's just starting to find his scoring boots two sensational goals in the last two games in fact he's got three in the last two actually uh, a scissor kick to win it against Wickham Wanderers a couple of weeks ago and then uh, last Saturday curling into the top corner from 30 yards to open the scoring and, and, and sending us on our, on our way to, to victory at the Valley so hopefully Cole has got the bit between his teeth as well uh, we've got another player uh, called uh, Dan Crowley who you might be familiar with I think he was on loan at Cheltenham last season yeah. being around the block a bit Played loads of games in the Championship for Hull and for Birmingham. Uh, we got him from the the Dutch second division in the January transfer window, and he's far too good for League One. He's, he's a brilliant, brilliant player. He's a number ten. He'll buzz around and hopefully create stuff for us. So if those two are on form, Jensen Weir's uh, of course starting to score again. He's got eleven yep. to his name this season. If we can keep the door shut at the back as well, and, uh, and just build on on our last three games. Home atmosphere. We've got fans behind both goals. We're putting you in the corner, unfortunately. So we're yeah, linking the fans going down to the You'll be in the Beyond Radio seats right in the corner. So sorry about Oh, actually, no, sorry, not sorry, actually, because uh, we want to try and create that home atmosphere. So yeah, I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed. But I, you know, it's, it's one of those, it's totally understandable, but it's, oh, to be, yeah. it's, it's frustrating. <laughs> it's still but, a good uh, view. It's still a good view. The, yeah. the, the main stand's a nice stand. So, so, so if you're going on Saturday, You'll you'll have a good view. In terms of uh, on the pitch, uh, I think we're going to do it. You know, actually, our home form uh, throughout the whole of the season's been pretty good. I think we're about twelfth in the in the form table. Right. So if if home form only counted, I mean, I know you guys have only lost once all season. I mean, you, you, you're twice, drawing. Twice you're now. drawing. Is it twice now? Is it? Of course, it's a Burton, no, isn't it? But uh, yeah. you know, I mean, you're drawing most weeks. But uh, you know, you're very hard to beat yeah. uh, at home. But uh, we're mid table in home form, so uh, it's just our terrible away record that's put us where we are. So. I I think we can do it and uh, I'm going to go Morecambe 2, Lincoln nil. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for a 2 all. I think. I feel like we, because we are scoring a little bit more. I know yes, yeah, yesterday we didn't. We are scoring a little bit more. If we play well, we are looking really good. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be, you know, you guys can have a couple of goals. I wouldn't mind a 2 all draw. You know, a nice bit of excitement <laughs> on the... Uh, I think the thing, uh, the, the thing for us, Charlie, really is whatever happens on Saturday, we need to make sure that we are still in with a chance of beating the drop going into the final game of the season. Yeah. Uh, and if we lose, it's probably game over for us. So first and foremost, we need to get at least a point. And that's not being pessimistic because I think we are going to win the game. 
but it, we've got to stay at least because our goal difference is, is is one of the worst of the six seven teams battling yeah. for the relegation or, or, or survival. So that's equivalent of an extra point, isn't it? When when when, when it's tight as, as as it's going to be. So we need to stay in touch, and by getting a win, we could in theory be outside of the bottom four, and it's in our own hands then going into the last game of the season. At very least, we need to be no more than two points adrift going into the last game, and then you never know. Next week, anything can happen, but uh, it's going to be a good atmosphere at the Mazuma if you're coming down. I think it's going to be pretty yep, much a full house. Well. I know you've got about what 600 tickets, yeah, if I'm, something if I'm like that. So we are we are more or less sold out of our allocation, or at least yeah. we will be by Saturday. So yeah, it's gonna it it'll be good. I'm really looking. I am coming up. Um, I am really looking forward to it, actually. Have you been to the Mazuma before, Charlie? I haven't. I haven't. No. So um, it's a it's the first time for me. Last away game of the season. It's yes, yeah, it should done. be a re- should be a really good Saturday. Afternoon. And of course, it's Gary Stag weekend as well. So we're going to do our very best to try and ruin it for him, Certainly. if that's possible. <laughs> I think all of well, by that point he probably won't care. Really, friends, I suppose. I think all of his friends on the Stag party are doing their best to try and do that for him anyway <laughs> uh, but you'll have a great time charlie and, and any yeah. any other lincoln fan listening to this uh, we're very very friendly uh great bunch of people we are about uh, about 10 minute walk from the seafront as well so uh, if you're coming in the car parking's not great at the mazuma you'll have to probably find some street parking somewhere nearby uh, about a 10 minute walk past the stadium just keep going and keep going you've got, you're on the seafront you've got to do all the usual bits and bobs like have your photo taken with the eric morgan statue all that kind of stuff but there's plenty of places to have a drink my recommendation is a bar called the boardwalk if you fancy a pre-match pint there's also a pub opposite the stadium called the hurley flyer as well which lets away fans in uh, so your sport choice really so and hopefully the weather's going to be good as well well, there you go. That's that's all the top-notch info. Um, I shall definitely be testing out one or two of them pubs, I'm sure, before the game, because it would be rude not to. It um, certainly well, would. Thank you very much for coming on, Dave. And uh, like I say, good luck for the final two games. Big push from you guys needed. Um, hopefully we... Well, I'd, I'd say hopefully we don't ruin it for you, but at the same time, I wouldn't exactly be that upset if we did so you know um yeah, oh, i wouldn't like expect I anything less charlie being a lincoln yeah, fan yeah. you you, you want to win every game you play i get that that's not a problem right. at all if we can but i think the one thing where we are uh we are quite optimistic is the fact that we've got yourselves and we've got exeter uh and you're both as mid-table as it gets aren't you yeah. so from that point i mean if, if you could do a cheltenham and down tools like they did uh, in their game against oxford last night that would be wonderful well I, I hope that doesn't happen, but yes, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, cer- certainly is a possibility. Like I say, thank you very much for coming on and uh, like I say, enjoy the rest of the season. No problem, Charlie. Thanks for inviting me. All the best, mate. Uh, brilliant. So thank you, Charlie. Uh, Charlie's a, uh, a a great addition to the podcast. Um, this uh, coming week, by the way, you will have a last opportunity to hear Jake on the podcast. He's going to come on the regular uh, and we're going to do it at end of season one as well. So you haven't heard the last of Jake just as yet. Certainly haven't heard the last of Charlie. He's a fixture for the following season. My Charlie is the same. Um, but this weekend, Morecambe, a dead rubber for us. Not so much for them. Um, they need the points. We're going to talk about the wider league one a little bit towards the end of the podcast. But how do you see this weekend, Mr. Lamming? And and when I say how do you see this weekend, the likelihood is probably not very well come Saturday afternoon when we've been drinking all morning. <laughs> yeah, through through blurred vision, yes. yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, Gary. I think it's going to go one of two ways. And I think it's either going to be we're on the beach 
This is what I'm, I, I, I feel. This is less likely. Not as in no one cares, but we've we know we're safe. We know you know we know that we've we've had some good performances. We haven't coasted into the end of the season like I think we might do. We're going to have a good finish on the whole, and Morecambe are fighting for their lives. And they've 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 won two on two out the last they've won the last two games. Um, of all the teams out there, they've they've got a real strong chance of getting themselves out of trouble. And yeah, so so option one is. Just because they they need they need the points more than we do, it could happen. Or you know that's kind of what my, my head kind of says. What my heart says is we're more than good enough to beat them. I don't think it's weird. I don't think it'll be a draw. In my head, it's either we we go and win reasonably comfortably, or we lose a tight game. And I haven't really got much to back this up, to be honest. But that's just my gut feeling. I think it's going to go one of those ways. I actually think we'll get beat, uh, or we'll get beaten, should I say. Uh, it's not defeatist, but they are going to fight for their life. They're going to scrap hard. They're going to battle hard. Cole Stockton started putting goals away. They're going to look at the fixture and think if they win this game, they still need points in their final games, and we'll come on to that in a minute. They're away at Exeter. This is their opportunity to give themselves every chance. If they win this game, they'll go on to 44 points. We'll come on to it in a minute. That would draw them level with Oxford, assuming that Oxford don't win on Saturday, which is, you know, they, they may well do. But it would take them above MK Dons, assuming they don't win. I think that the relegation spots, personally, are any... We know Forest Green have gone, so it's three from any four. Morecambe are one of those four. They've got Cambridge below and we've got a game in hand. They are going to not just be bang up for this. They're going to scrap. They're going to fight. We've seen that. The last two games they've come to Sinsel Bank, um, I actually thought that they were a spirited side who lacked a little bit of endeavour. But I think when you're fighting for your life uh, against the team who are ensconced in mid-table, it's all well and good as saying we want to finish as high as we can. We want to go out on a high, all that sort of stuff. You know, if it's a 50-50 ball and you're a player thinking, you know, I'm not going to pick up an injury for that. We've got a game left and we're going to be League One next season against a Morecambe player who's thinking, I need to keep my team in the division. One player is going to come out better than that. Psychologically, it's human nature. You don't. It's not even a decision that a player makes, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, you say that about when you're playing any any team in, in a relegation scrap that have still got um, half a chance of staying up. But what Morecambe have done is they've they've shown that they can. You know they've yeah. won. They've won their last two, and they're unbeaten in three. So they've shown that they're up for the fight, and they're capable of winning games. Um, so yeah, like I'd like us to win, obviously. But um, my 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 head says all the same things that you're saying is that I can see I can see a circumstance that would cause us to lose the game, and I I can you know what I can see a circumstance that causes us to lose the game, and none of us really mind. We don't want to lose. But it's it's not it doesn't really affect us. It's not like we're not going to turn up. We're not going to care. It's going to be a real worry for next season. We know we're in a great place. So even if we get beat, I'm, it, I don't think it's going to really change my outlook on anything to do with this season or going into next. Whereas, of course, for them, there, there are a huge, there's a huge kind of contrast between what could happen um, into the positive and negative. Yeah, because let's face it, if more can go down, they don't come straight back up. And that's no disrespect. I don't think any of the teams that will go down this season, unless it's Oxford or MK Dons, would stand much chance of coming back up. Forest Green won't. Um, And we'll look at the bottom now because we can kind of move on, I think, with a little bit of a degree of comfort to that. But It's so tight at the bottom there. Um, I mean, Cambridge have got the game in hand, but 
they're on 40 points, third from bottom. Then Accrington and Morecambe on 41. And then just outside the relegation, <coughs> MK Don's on 43 and Oxford on 44. To stay up, the maximum that you would possibly need, let's see if Cambridge won that, they'd be 43. So 49 actually keeps you up. And I think that that will probably be less by the time it comes in. Now, Cambridge's games, I think we said Shrewsbury, Accrington and Forest Green. They've got favourable running, and you can uh, see that Cambridge have got Accrington, Burton, and Forest Green. So Accrington, actually, Burton, and Forest so, Green. Yeah. So Cambridge's last three games are all games that are the teams in and around them, which yeah. is not apart from Burton. Sorry, but that's um, just quickly on Burton. You know what? Fair play to them since January because they were yeah, yeah. they were right they down were there, and, buried, they? Yeah, and yeah, I was they were, they were just they were just kind of stuck in my mind. Then is oh yeah, they're down there. And they're not. Yeah, they're fine. No, they're not. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, they're safe. I think when you look at Cambridge, I think there's a real chance that Cambridge could pick up seven points and finish on 47. I think Accrington are gone. I think that their recent form has been really poor. So they beat Bolton um, in their last game. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from that. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I think that Accrington are gone. I think Morecambe are gone even though I think they'll beat us away at Exeter's tough. They take four points, it's 45. That would mean that Oxford would only draw one of their last two games. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think they've got Accrington and Forest Green. They're going to pick up two points, bare minimum, from those games. This, uh, what makes it really interesting is that a lot of the teams are playing each other. Yeah. So Oxford have got Forest Green away on Saturday and then they're at home to Accrington. You know what? I think I know we, uh, we, got, we got a decent result against Oxford at Central Bank. I actually thought they were one of the better teams we've played this season. Yeah, 100%. I was, I was really impressed with them on the ball. I thought they were they were good. They were organised. They, they moved the ball well. It'd be an absolute travesty if a squad of that quality gets relegated. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be kind of fun because we always like to see the unexpected happening in football, but I fully expect them to stay up. And I also expect them to be a half-decent team next season. Um, fully expect them to beat Forest Green because Forest Green are absolute just garbage. Yeah, they're yeah. absolutely useless. Um, and then they've got Accrington in the last game of the season. And it depends what the feeling around the camp is there, really. But that can go either way. Um, Morecambe obviously got us. And then they're away at Exeter. That's a, that's tough. That's a two tough games on paper. If we take our Lincoln City hat off, and we just see that as a, you know, just a, a, a neutral perspective. You think By the that's way, be tough. Exeter have lost five league games in a row. Didn't know that. Okay. Uh, Which, again, of, he's just... Terms of, yeah, they have, yeah. In terms yeah. of pure league table, you'd, you'd imagine that's it's, it's tough. But again... They're fighting for their lives and they've shown that they are more than capable of getting those points. So there's points there for them. Cambridge, as you said, they've got three games. They've got Accrington away. That's a huge game. Burton away. Potential points. Burton are safe. because Tuesday made them safe, so they might be kind of not not foot off the gas, but that, that pressure valve is kind of being released. And then they've got Forest Green last game of the season. And that brings us on to MK Dons. Yeah. We've got the second worst home record in the league bar Forest Green. They've got Barnsley at home on Saturday. You just can't see them getting anything out of that. And we've no. just said that there's points to be won against each other for all those other teams. I can see MK Dons being in the bottom four yeah. after full time on Saturday. And they're away at Burton on the last game of the season. I can see him going. I can see him going. Well, because like you say, people often think that it's a good thing that relegation rivals are playing each other. So oh, it's great that, that Accrington and Cambridge or whatever have got to play, and it's brilliant. But it's not for the teams above them because it's guaranteed points 
for somebody. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to come away with that with a win or, or or a couple of points. MK Dons haven't got a win in their last five games, and they're the only team fighting for their lives at the moment. Uh, Cambridge, Accrington, Morecambe, MK Dons, and Oxford, who haven't got a win in those games. Um, and and technically, mathematically, I think Port Vale could still be relegated. It won't happen because it. Cambridge can get 49 points, which would match Port Vale. They would have to overturn a plus nine goal difference. And obviously, MK Dons could get 49 as well, I but it won't because, happen. Yeah, but, and because so many teams are playing each other, I don't think there'd be a, a way no. that enough teams would get that many points. No, they can't. It's it, it's it's literally any three from Oxford, MK Dons, Morecambe, Accrington and Cambridge. Um, yeah. Now, I, I know John Harris listens, and I like John Harris. He's an MK fan. I do like him. Nice guy, always helpful, knows his football. Don't want to offend him, but I would be delighted if MK Dons went down. I'd be delighted. And do you know one of the things that winds me up more than it should? He's on Twitter. Whenever they make a transfer, it's a Don deal. Whenever uh, they've got this this game coming up on Saturday, not Don yet. And I think you're not even the fucking Dons. Sorry, John. But if you were Milton, if you'd gone and called yourselves Milton Keynes FC, Milton Keynes Town, uh, MK Inter MK, anything like that, there would be announced more respect. Dons is Wimbledon. Wimbledon were the Dons, and this is a historic thing. This is like people who get angry over arguments that happened twenty years ago. There are worse things in football than than what happened there. There really are. You know, Salford, Forest Green didn't take over, didn't steal clubs, but they're artificially inflating things. Whereas MK Dons at least are relatively unsustainable, but without the money that goes in, they could kind of downscale. They'd still get decent crowds. They'd still be a decent side. But nothing would make me happier than them going down. I, I, can't, I can't disagree with you. I feel exactly the same. And you want to be as respectful as possible because yeah. I've got nothing against MK Dons fans. Genuinely, not about the actual supporters at all. Supporting your local club, fair dues. I just don't like how the club became in existence in the first place. They stole their place in the Football League. And it's because it's such a unique situation in English football that there's so much... Um, I, th- I would go as far as say hatred towards it. And um, I don't think... It doesn't matter how long ago it was. You can respect how they operate. If they were, Let's imagine they were operating like Brentford and they're like a, a pinnacle of football club operation. You can, you can, you can praise all of that. But there's still always going to be that lingering under the surface, no matter how long it goes on. Yeah, you stole your place. It would take, it would absolutely love it if they go down and then Wimbledon come up next season and they they can kind of confirm that they're a league. Because know that obviously they finished high or they, there's, there's various points when they were both in League One. AFC I... Wimbledon obviously were above MK Dons at one point. I, I'm pretty, correct me if I'm wrong. You're I could wrong. be wrong here. Okay, fair wrong. enough. Because MK Dons were in uh, League Two when we came up in 2018 19, and Wimbledon were in League One, I think, at the time, weren't they? Oh, we blimey. Well, they, well, I want that to happen again then. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, partly for me as well. Partly for me is that if MK Dons stay up and Oxford, they're going to be half decent sides next season. Still. Yeah, exactly. Yeah from, yeah. from a Lincoln City's perspective, you want the teams that actually yeah. have just almost had like a freak poor season and yeah. you know that that doesn't happen two seasons in a row yeah. for a club like we- that they have the they have the facilities they have the finance and they have the the players already at the club of a sufficient quality to be successful in this division yeah, yeah. so if then if they're a league below we can forget about them for a year if they're in this yeah. division they're a threat 
to our kind of position in the league, aren't they? And it's like I said to somebody, I think, the other night, you know, when Wimbledon just hung on and they're a relatively small club, you knew they were in trouble next year as well. When Rochdale just clung on, you knew they were in trouble next year. If Morecambe and Accrington uh, and potentially even Cambridge cling on, you know they'll probably be in trouble next year. And my first thought for next year, wrong, rightly or wrongly, is which four teams are going to finish below us? And I know that that's not a way to think, but that's, do you know what I mean? I enjoy being in this level so much that my first thought is if we finish fifth from bottom next season, that's a result because we stay in there. It's negative. We're going to be better than that. But if with the greatest respect to Morecambe and Accrington, I think if they're in this division rather than MK Dons and Oxford, um, then it's better for us. Oxford stay up. In my opinion, Milton Keynes Dons go down. I think Morecambe and Accrington join them. I, I fancy Cambridge to stay up and they look dead and buried a few weeks ago. Dead and buried, but I fancy Cambridge. They've, they've lost two on the bounce, but before that, they've got two wins and a draw. But bear in mind, Morecambe have got two wins and a draw in their last three games. It's it's just that game in hand. It's fascinating. And do you know what's best about it? We're not involved. Yeah, and we can just look at it from, from afar, can't we? Um, yeah. I agree on MK Duns. I think they're, I, I can really see them going down. I can, I can actually see them finishing second bottom. Yeah. Um, I think Cambridge go. Mm-hmm. And I think Accrington go. I reckon Morecambe just about do it. Isn't it bizarre that we've only won two more games than Cambridge have? Yeah, it's football. Football's stupid, football. though, isn't it? <laughs> well, we're <laughs> cracking on through time. So I made a we made a comment earlier about the bulk of this squad could play next season and stay up with no additions whatsoever and losing our lone players. Okay. So just to go through that and stop me at any point when I'm wrong, and I'm even working on the assumption that Regan Paul won't be with us as well. So I'm even going to work on that assumption. Other out-of-contract players, different matter. Okay. So this this could be our team starting next season with no additions and losing everybody who's either on loan and Regan Paul. Jordan Wright in goal. Last Sorensen at right-back. Aoma at right-centre-back. Pordy O'Connor in the centre of defence, Joe Walsh, don't laugh, uh, on the left side of defence, Sean Rowan at left back. In midfield, we've still, Matt, got, still got Lewis Monsmer contracted. Still Lewis Monsmer to come back contracted. Central midfield, Ethan Arahan and Max Sanders. Up top, Ben House, Dylan Duffy, Danny Mandrew. And that's without Ted Bishop, for instance, who's still got to come back into that side as well. Well, we've won games this season with a weaker squad on paper than that. Yeah. So that's that's the base that's the base starting, and that's do you know what that's not even beyond the realms of possibility for all those players to be with us because most of those are still under contract. There's probably the question over Rowan and Max Sanders. Uh, Walsh, I think, has an Walsh, extra year. Potentially, we don't. There's a bit of a question mark about what might happen with him in the summer, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And Adam Jackson wasn't mentioned in that, by the way, by me because he could go. So actually, we could actually have Adam Jackson, Paddy O'Connor, and. Um, TJ Aoma with Sean Rowan at left back. And that, that's without, you know that we're going to sign a couple of players permanently. You know that we're going to bring in a couple of players on loan. I, mm. I just think, I think that that is potentially exciting. Do you know the difference for me? I'm looking at the league table now. We're one point ahead of Charlton. If we had a Raksaki like they got, do you know the loan we, player? We were in that, for him as well, weren't we? We were in for him. Pre-season. A lone player that scores nine or ten goals and six or seven assists. You add that to this team. We've got we've got a zero goal difference. We're tenth in the table. We've only scored forty four goals. If we'd scored an extra ten goals on top of that, ifs buts, all that sort of stuff. But if we'd scored an extra ten goals on top of that, we let's say add 
10, 12 points onto what we've got now. 71, 73 points. We'd be Peterborough United. We'd still be knocking on the door of the playoffs now. And I think when you... Massive. And the thing is, is, you said that if we had a Raksaki on loan. If we have Dylan Duffy settled and Denny Mandroyu a season under his belt... Great point, yeah. We might already have that. Great point. I, I just think... I, you know, I keep going on about it. Okay, there's there's now nine points between us and Wickham. But if you a top half finish, considering how we were playing, by the way, after Chippenham and, and through kind of January, considering those games at home, where you look at games at home against Forest Green, against Cambridge, against Accrington, against MK Dons, against uh, Burton, not Burton as such. So even those four, the bottom four, Forest Green, Cambridge, Accrington, and uh, bottom five rather, and MK Dons, Four games there that would be the I think we drew with Forest. We've drawn all of those. Should have won yeah. them. That'd be eight eight additional points. That would put us on sixty seven. Do you know what I mean? And that's without looking at Fleetwood two nil up, drew two two. Exeter better than ended up throwing the game away. Charlton we never really offered anything in that game at home whatsoever. It, I I just think it could be hugely positive. You can't deny it. But we said we said that for weeks, though. We said it for weeks that all the stuff that's bigger picture is is fine. And when we said that the first time, though, it was amidst a little bit of negativity. And next season felt like a long time away, and the bigger picture felt like a long way away. It doesn't feel like that now. It feels like we're really close to it, and actually, we've got a really yeah. good foundation. And it's just adding to that foundation now, rather than restarting it all. Yeah. And it's also we... Mark, Mark Kennedy's a year in, and. We've spoken about the players and how they've improved and settled in. Mark Kennedy has hugely settled in. He, he, we mentioned this, um, I don't know if it was privately, if it might have been on the podcast, about it feels like he is the manager now rather yeah. than he is just new in his job or he is working under somebody. Um, he seems much more comfortable in front of the camera. He seems much more comfortable um, in terms of the just the, the system. He feels like his own man and it's his first managerial job. So he's had a year of learning. He's only going to get better, and he's hugely improved. And he's shown when he's given when he's given the opportunity to improve the team, he's improved us. When he's when he's when we've had to improve in a particular element, we're shipping goals. Well, we need to make be tighter. We became tighter. Yeah, like I covered this. I covered this on a dog walk yesterday. You we're basically saying exactly the same thing. <laughs> he's just developed, um, and 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 kind of yeah. Lots to be positive about. We ought to crack on because we're at 57 minutes and Charlie has got, he's quite, he, he's challenging you for the title of long length, um, not in the way that you like. <laughs> I don't mind I've never, I've never been called it in that way. <laughs> um, he's challenging you for that uh, with 18 minutes. So we could be running to about uh, an hour and 18. So we ought to uh, wrap up. If you're happy, anything more you'd like to add? No, all good. He's, the right answer. In that case, we are all going to Morecambe. That's going to be happening in about 36 hours' time. We shall be boarding the bus. We're going to be in fancy dress. I don't know what I'm going to be dressed as, but people keep smiling and laughing at me when I'm stood around at the football. So the ones that do know think it's funny. If you see us at the game, come say hello, have a photo taken with us, all that sort of stuff. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the weekend. And most of all, up the imps. Up the imps. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. 
We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.